Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hello, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And I am your Keyforge friend with my constant Keyforge friend and I have to say a brand new Keyforge friend to all our fellow Archons out there for so many reasons. I don't even know where to start, but... Uh, Sydney, why don't I just pass this over to you? Because I know you're probably like jumping up and down in your chair, just dying to start talking about <laughs> what we're going to be going over today. Bouncing off the walls a little bit, maybe. Well, I would love to say hello to Christian Peterson. Hi. Hello, everybody. Oh, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, love, love to be here. We're so excited to have you here. And we we wanted to thank you officially for the uh, spoilers that you sent us and uh, mm -hmm. had a had a quick question for you. So we realized after we recorded our episode how wonderfully themed they were, that you gave us one with Future Booster, with Future in the name, and Pale into Insignificance about the past. How how thought out was that? Was that like, was that really done on purpose? Um, I would have to ask Michael, who's, uh, who's, <laughs> the guy, who's the guy who gave me the cards. Uh, he had the list of people, and then he can he gave me the cards to to dole out. So I will. Um, let's just say yes, of course. That was absolutely. That, that was, we, we were very clever, um, and then, and I'll give him a big pat on the back for that one. Oh yeah, I want to give him huge props for that because uh, some of the podcast hosts that were talking about their own spoilers mentioned how wonderfully themed they were. So well thought out there. No doubt. No doubt. So, you guys deserve it. I, I still uh, <laughs> I remember you guys very well uh, from, from from coming up to us at Gen Con and, and being so gracious about everything. And so we're really happy to uh, to support you guys and of course also the other content creators out there. It's been uh, it's been a pretty amazing bunch. I know, right? So a lot mm -hmm. has happened since I saw you at Gen Con. It's it's been a whirlwind in a pat in the past like month, and there's just so much going on. So at this point, congratulations on a million dollar successful game found campaign. Like, how are yes. you feeling right now? Well, I think we should say that uh, that I think we're, we're as, as we're talking, we're looking at the game found webpage here and it's at $999,244. So we're not quite at a million yet. Um, but it seems it seems very likely. Uh, and it obviously has uh, dramatically exceeded our expectations. Um, and so the whole team is has a big grin on their face because, you know, uh, we know, um, we know there's a lot of people out there who, who apparently love this stuff. And, and it gives us, you know, just a lot of confidence in the work we've been doing and the work we're about to, you know, embark on so it's uh, it's really exciting it's it's really exciting i mean i didn't think it would be, the whole reason that we went to in the in, the, in this in this direction in the first place was because frankly we just don't have didn't have any idea we just had some good feelings and we had some sense that there was a, a good audience out there but but there wasn't really any way to after the game has been basically laid low so long it wasn't a good way to, for us to uh to understand what the latent kind of excitement was so has this has this proven what you needed to be proven? Has this given you you hope for for a key forge future? For sure, for sure. How could it not? Yes, um, well, yes, one hundred percent. I think uh, many times over. Uh, the, the the whole the whole idea is that if we think we have a, a really a core base of players, say you know between three and five thousand players, which it certainly looks like that they're out there, and we can do a really good job give, getting them a lot of really fun moments and and good 
Keyforge product, then then I think we we always thought that we had a solid business and it's a solid relationship with the fan base in, in that regard. And it looks like it, it exists and it's even bigger than we thought. So, uh, yay, we're, we're, we're excited about it. now we're now we can actually make real plans uh, and, um, you know, above and beyond the next couple of sets uh, and uh, above and beyond all of the notes and, you know, ready to go structures that we have in mind for the organized play and so on. We're, we're, we're excited to, to finally, you know, um, hire a couple more people. First of all, uh, we're a pretty small team here. Um, That's really exciting. Yeah, for, absolutely. hundred percent for sure. Thanks to everybody out here. <laughs> Speaking of future plans, like has this changed how you see Keyforge in like five years and 10 years? Is there, what trajectory do you see Keyforge having? Well, I don't ever, I don't think I've ever published a game line in my life that, that where I, you know, anticipated its death. Um, you know, you always hope that it could be, be around for longer than me. Um, you know, it's, it's a, the game industry is a, is a funny, beautiful and movable and sometimes dramatic, uh, place to be, you know, there are always new things coming out and new games happening, but a few games have been able to really survive across the years. And you always hope that, that, that your game, you know, is, is able to reach that kind of evergreen status. I certainly thought that was the case when, when, um, Keyforge originally came out because it was very, very, very strong. I, I think there was a, you know, there's, there was a series of, of, you know, unfortunate decisions and some, um, and, and some major problems that, that, that occurred, of course, with the, the loss of the software engine, but also the pandemic, I think, gave it a big kick, you know, it was, it was not healthy for a game that's, that's about bringing people together in person. Um, no, definitely. So, but I, I'm, yeah, no, I, it, this is, this is, uh, I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's awesome. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. I I sure share my excitement on a regular basis on all of the Keyforge media that's available to us. Sydney does. Sydney is quite the ambassador. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could tell when we talked at Gen Con that there was real passion there. Um, so... So, so hopefully, so hopefully, Sydney, you you'll you'll forgive us in the future when we we, we do something that that you don't like. Just, just remember that's not that. possible. <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> As you acquired Keyforge and you had it from, I guess we could call it a dormant state, and now you're taking ownership of it. What crossed your mind in terms of there's some things that when we started we couldn't change because the ball was rolling, but now that we're kind of bringing life back to it and it's going to come back in a 2.0 sort of fashion um, we're considering maybe altering some aspects of the game or the way it's perceived sure um yeah we are uh we're doing a number of things and that's one reason i asked for forgiveness uh, I, I should say while you're asked a question we now officially crossed a million so Woo! <laughs> i'm hearing all some, right all right i'm hearing some woots from the from the from the, from the officers next door <laughs> So it's, that's very exciting uh, to see a whole other digit uh, added onto there. So one million and thirty six bucks. Um, wow, that's a million thank yous uh, to 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 the fan base. Hopefully, we can give you a million decks back um, over the next couple of years. So anyway, uh, on the back 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 to your question. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm super excited about digital printing in general. I'm, I'm done games for a very long time, and and I'm super excited about how um, this, this concept of digital printing, which 
which allows us to do so many things with going from very personalized things to procedurally generated things to things that that just have crazy connections uh, that that otherwise wouldn't be possible in kind of an analog dumb press. Uh, and so um, when we first got into this, you know, we were sort of when it went down that direction, we were kind of basing our thoughts and our knowledge from having done Keyforge. It wouldn't it didn't come into our minds that that we would actually have a chance to um, acquire Keyforge itself. So uh, that was obviously a big uh, a big bonus and, and, it, and something that was very exciting to us. And it seemed to be you know right in line with with what our plans were. And I think uh, one of the reasons that we were able to um, get moving so quickly on on that software engine is because we were building a kind of a very abstract engine in the first place that that would be able to encompass all these uh, different kind of digital games, Keyforge mm -hmm. included, uh, something like Keyforge included. Uh, and uh, and so we already had a bunch of stuff done. Um, so, it, but in terms of, I just make sure, can you guys hear me? Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay. All right, this, this, it, got very, it got very quiet. <laughs> we're we're um, listening in rapture. Yes, uh, but but in terms of, uh, you know, what we want to do in terms of changes, you know, that, that, that becomes, that becomes controversial to, to, you know, to speak of, um, it, without a whole lot of, you know, context and, and, uh, and, and I think some, 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 some good rationale, the, we, we are going to be touching, uh, not the game rules per se, the core game rule per se, but we are going to be touching a few of the, of the nomenclature uh, and and the way that the that the game is addressed, just updating it slightly. Uh, I think one thing that may be controversial that I guess we can talk about here is um, you have you, you have, for example, you have a you have the action direction called fight and reap, um, and the problem with that is we found a lot of new players getting getting confused about that when uh, when we have, for example, a similar action denominator called um, um, before fight. So what we decided to do is is to turn what was previously the, the action denominators reap and fight into after fight and after reap as an example, because that's actually mm -hmm. when they occur. That uh, makes okay, so much like sense. That. Right. Because so they this, have this to survive the fight. Uh, correct. Yes, it, it, exa exactly. So so it, it, it does it's something we've, we noticed that that um, probably you wouldn't change if, if, if we didn't have the option to kind of take it over and kind of start it over again where we get a little bit more forgiveness I, I think than maybe the original publisher would you know and making a change like that but you know a few uh, a few things like that that just helps promote you know the understanding of it uh, the, the other thing that we've been thinking really hard about is to, is to how to um, solve some of the some of the desires that a large portion not all but but a large portion of the of the fan base, um, has been looking for, which is a, which is to to increase maybe player agency a little bit in actually coming into the game. Whereas, uh, for, as an example, in a in a sealed deck, you know, you, you open a deck and you have a deck and you play it. But but um, you know, whether it's your style of deck or or if, if the player had any agency in, in what to bring, there, there wasn't really any uh, other than having the fun deck to play. Um, so we we've been trying to think about ways to to improve player agency and improve the ability for your entire collection of decks uh, to have more meaning. Uh, and I, that's mm. it's relatively cryptic. Well, you know what, what I'm, what I'm talking about, but we are, we have a, we have a specific solution that we're going to be uh, actually providing 
sometime later this week um, for some of these things uh, in terms of in terms of the organized play uh, and how how we could hopefully support the the legacy um, methods, uh, but but also um, add add a few new a few new concepts to the game that that would allow uh, some more player agency uh, and some more sense that every time you buy a deck that it would uh, it would have value um, going into the future uh, and not just be replaced by the next deck that you buy. Is that not, come well, from not- the community having? tried to find ways and you've observed this having different tournaments with very specific ideas in terms of right. uh, restrictions or parameters in which a deck can be used for for some play is is that where you got that idea or is it through the FAQ when you had that open forum no I mean we we've we've done a lot of observation and obviously we I was also part of the uh, the original team that that put Keyforge out and, and we, we, we knew we were doing something really new and different, but we didn't quite know, you know, how you, you, you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. you, you never knew what, how the audience would react. And obviously they acted very, very positively, but, but there was also a, an element uh, where people are used to something different. You know, when, uh, when you're talking about, you know, collectible card games, uh, where, where player has full, full agency and et cetera. So there's people just used to something different. And there was a lot of kind of like a frowny face and scratches, scratches of heads, you know, not really getting the whole concept of the, of the, uh, of the complete deck. So we think we have some, some neat ideas for how, how to move it forward. And, uh, so I hate to be cryptic, but we don't not, that's one of those things. I don't, I don't really feel like I could talk about without providing sort of more context. So, but happy to jump on another interview to talk to about it here, maybe in a few weeks. Sure, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, going back to getting new players in and what you were talking about with new players comfortable with how to play the game, um, your starter set was a fantastic idea, the way that you've created the decks that follow the rule set in the starter set so that people can see the exact ways that creatures interact, how a turn goes verbatim, and that you don't have two Keyforge decks specifically that are reprinted in every single deck there are a fraction of the cards. Yeah, uh, I mean, so so that I think the uh, the starter deck is interesting to talk about uh, because we've had some people feel very strongly about starter decks, uh, sorry, starter sets, and and uh, I think this is this is one element where I think we, we have a, a kind of a very firm position on it, and that is that a starter set should be for a new player. Um, we're not. I'm not really all that keen on putting starter sets out all the time that that retailers have to you know push on their shelves and. Um, and that uh, somehow are sold to to existing players because I think what you present to a brand new player, what you present to an existing player, are two different things. They're just two different audiences entirely. Um, and so I, I think the reason that a lot of existing players have been anxious about starter sets is because they they want to know if there's a new token or some sort of a new new new. Uh, new element of some kind that, that they feel they need to get in the actual starter. Uh, and so I think it's incumbent on us in the future that if we create something that an existing player needs to have, um, whether it's a token or who knows what it will be, uh, that we allow a method for that thing to be acquired outside the starter box. Because um, that, that allows us to, to sort of firmly come down on the side of saying a starter box is for starter. Uh, and the 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 issue of having a, a starter set that is very, um, 
you know that that's very attractive to existing player is sometimes fights what what makes it attractive to to a brand new player and then and so the these new starter sets will have you know of course the, the rules and the the tokens need to play but as you said they'll also have these small decks and they're not full decks they're they're, they're, they're small decks that that kind of allow players to kind of simulate um an actual game uh, and it allows us to, to to hold their hand and and, and, and take them alongside that um, and then there are also there will also be a few sealed decks in the box from the most recent set uh, and then uh, obviously what we're hoping is that a starting player will will have had fun you know with that little kind of demo intro with those decks uh, and then they will tear open their their uh, their sealed decks and really get into it I think that's a really amazing way of approaching it because having, I guess, what existed before in the two-player fashion, which were kind of perceived as starter sets because you got all the tokens and everything, was that if you open two decks and let's say one of them is really good and the other one does not compare to it, it's maybe not a bad deck, but just in relation, they don't jive very well. And you get in a position when you're trying to teach someone that they are actually not getting to experience the game properly where this the way you've described it means that they're going to actually see the essence of the game the way you want it to be represented in a i guess a normal fashion and then when they open those other decks we're like oh these just didn't have that interaction i was used to so i think that's a really smart way of doing it right i mean uh, yeah i mean to learn something you have to we we, kind of have to try to allow for situations where you can learn the, the the types of things you need to really understand the game uh, and so by scripting that more into a couple of, you know, small starter decks that that allows us to do that. Um, and of course, when you open up, you know, a brand new deck, you know, by, by the very nature of it, it's supposed to be surprising and different. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, you know, very com- more complex than others. And, and obviously uh, there's just an, there's an, you know, an uncertainty that to do to that. What we can do in a starter set though, is we can, so we can kind of give people an on-ramp for that. We, we can explain to them that as soon as they open those decks, they're in the Wild West uh, of, you know, of Reforge, and they're going to see exciting new different things, um, as opposed to having them, you know, maybe scratch their head over, you know, what exactly is they're holding in their hand. Um, the I, I was going to say they're, they're – um, yeah, so so that's the, – the, 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 there are really, you know, some people that are out there that, that are, you know – feel that that's the, that's the incorrect uh, the decision and um, that's something that we we're going to take a take a stand on and saying well a starter set really should be for new players uh, and that by its very nature will will probably make it a not a, a great experience for somebody who already knows and plays the game because they'll just be getting a lot of repeat tokens and, and they'll be getting things that are intended for a tutorial that that they may not need Right. Well, speaking of that, so from your incredible, amazing, awesome YouTube video that showed your your printer and all the cards coming out, it it did look like there was a a reference card. Is that is that something that you're looking to include in every deck going forward? Right. So, um, yes, I I, I believe that that uh, we're going to we're going to do that where when possible. So so as an example, in um, Dark Tidings, we had the the tide, uh, and the reverse side of the tar- The tide gave us the option to detect um, keywords and, and traits and etc. that had rule bearing effect uh, and, and allow people to get a little primer, uh, you know, on those. And uh, in this set um, that you saw printed, now granted, uh, those were not final, complete, ready to go. Um, 
you know, commercial products uh, that they, we're still doing tests and so on and so forth. So, so um, for example, we had a deck come out two weeks ago that that uh, that they printed um, and uh, it had all star lines in the whole deck. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy with that because of the computer. <laughs> so, so the, the you know there are there are still and there's some cards in there. If you just look at the video very carefully, some cards in there that are not actually not. That are still placeholders. Hey, unchained. Um, yeah, there you go. So, so the the um, the the idea is to use uh, the um, token card uh, that are that are in the Winds of Exchange set, which which replaces the tie card, um, and we we do have the the ability to uh, you know use the back of that card to to also provide those those keyword references, which is which is really neat. Um, I mean, in the future, no, I, I can't speak 100% whether we will have this extra 38th card, you know, in, a, in every single set. Um, that, so whether we can keep doing that, I, I'm, you know, that's not something that could be promised, but we certainly think it's, it's something that's, that's great for a player uh, to have when possible. You actually provided a really good segue for me here because I was going to ask um, about the tide mechanic itself. Um, is We never really got, I guess, a true clarification on this mechanic because of the nature of when the set came out and everything that happened in the world and things kind of going silent. But is the tide something that exists within the game at all times, no matter what set you have? Or is this similar to like how you've described the token where if you have a token deck, then tokens apply when they're referenced. And if you have the tide as part of your deck, then the tide is applicable for you in that I guess for both players in that regard, but if you if neither player has a tied deck, then does the tide not exist? Right the 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 tide is 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 brought to the game because it's it's part of your deck, okay. uh, just as a token is. Uh, there there isn't um, the, there wouldn't be any reference to to the tide in two decks that didn't have a tide attached to them. Right. There so is an example we have we, we, we have the unfathomable in Winds of Exchange as a house. Um, but th- those particular unfathomable cards do not reference the tide. Mm, okay. if they did, um, if they did, we would provide the tide card with the deck. That's a really was, interesting choice. Yeah, so 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 there isn't uh, there isn't a way, in other words, to invoke the tide without their being a deck that brings the tide card with it, if, if that makes sense. That answers it perfectly. Yep. I love the uniqueness from set to set. It sounds like you guys are really going in different directions every set, and that is so exciting. And speaking of the card backs for Winds of Exchange, also in that mm-hmm. awesome YouTube video, they have a little picture of the token on them. And so I, I, I guess you guys have been playing around with the graphic design of this set to make it just a, a better graphic design to meet the needs of this set. Is that is that something you feel comfortable with doing going forward? Or like, are we going to see unique card backs for future sets? Quite possibly, yes. I mean, uh, the the so 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 to be to be completely fair, that that card back, which I think is a, is a good idea, came from uh, that came from the FFG files. Um, the the so that that was something that they they put in there as as um, you know as a helpful reminder that when a card is of course face down um, in front of your opponent that it actually is is uh, is a pointer to to your um, 
to a token creature, uh, and so that makes it feel more like a like a token creature. Um, there are there were some really interesting and I think very helpful suggestions from from the community. Um, one of them is that the three houses, the house buttons that are located on the back of the card, that that the one house that the token is associated with be the one that overlaps the actual. Um, circular graphic of the token creature. And so we, we, we've been programming that into the system so that that's always the case. So that if you have a Mars token creature, for, for, for example, um, then it always will always be the house Mars icon that, you know, that, that um, overlaps the, uh, the back. So a lot of people, of course, play with, play with um, card sleeves and you won't be able to see them. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that of course is, it's just what it is. Um, that you could play with with uh, clear card sleeves, in which case you would you would see the um, see the token. Just saying, in in the future, if you if you ever want to put out card sleeves that are the token creatures, you know there there, there would be a market for that. <laughs> yes, our, our, that, that 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 did strike our that did that is an idea that has come up, and it's an idea that we we considered very very seriously for the crowdfunding campaign. Um, the reason we didn't do that uh, is because. Um, the, the token creature cards that we already put out, I, I think we're, where we have seven different sets, uh, having to put out, you know, 28 different sets of token sleeves in, in this campaign would, would, would not only been somewhat confusing, uh, again, I mean, people could probably say I have a favorite house, so I want those token cards from the house, but having to pick a specific given token, um, when you don't know what decks you have yet, maybe, maybe it. Is a challenge, and it, it it would be quite expensive to get all of them. Um, and thirdly, I, I think we don't have a a onshore manufacturer that makes plastic card sleeves, so so we would have had to outsource that um, outside the U.S. And uh, that would have created a something we tried to avoid all along, which is a uh, a manufacturing uncertainty. Uh, because what we think is crucially important, you know, number one, a that this campaign was successful, but b is that we get is that we get Keyforge products back into the hands of players, uh, and to do that, we got to make sure that we're going to get caught in a in a supply chain loop. This is something that I mentioned in one of my updates, um, and we didn't want to, um, you know, have a situation where that you see some Kickstarters or crowdfunding campaigns get where they they don't ship for a long, long time, sometimes years. Uh, usually, that is because there's always that last bit, that last piece that you need mm-hmm. that somehow gotten a major problem and and uh, generally speaking uh, we've seen some people try to solve that by splitting their their campaigns into two which which then results in two shippings uh, which is very expensive and troublesome so so we, we decided very early on to take a very principled uh, you know uh, approach to only do something that we feel that we had uh, either control over or that we had a very very um, uh, close and your understanding about how long would it take to, to, to make and how to get it here. We really appreciate that. Like, yes. And thank you for listening to the community. And as things come up, it, it just, it's a really relieving feeling to, to know that the people are heard because we, I think a lot of us before Keyforge went in hiatus felt like we were really in the dark with a lot of things. And there's just this level of transparency that you've brought that really, I guess, quells the unease that came from what happened before. So thank you and your team for always being on top of that. It's, it's really, really refreshing. Well, we, we, uh, we certainly think it was a very important thing to do um, when it came to this because of uh, the exact 
nature where the game had come from, which which this is this you know this giant vat of silence and uncertainty, and which which um, um, can't have been you know very helpful. I, I think the only way to overcome that, I think, is is with a is with a uh, a large dose of the opposite. Um, now, I'm not sure we'll ever be able to be quite as as communicative in, in, in the future. And, and, and a lot of the reasons for, for that uh, typically arrives at, at uh, I, I like not to talk uh, about things we can't deliver. Uh, when, when I started the game company very long ago, we, w- we would start talking about things that we wanted to make or that we were planning on making. Uh, and of course, real life intercedes in so many ways and, and they're either very delayed or, or they don't maybe don't appear at all. And we sort of have had continuous, you know, uh, you know, gripes and eggs in our faces based on um, based on things that uh, didn't meet expectations. And so and so, of course, one re- one way not to set expectations is not to give anything at all, um, which is which is clearly too much. But but there are um, there, there are certainly times where, where I think companies are wise not to, you know, run their mouths uh, but because it can create confusion and it can create expectations that maybe are um not, not, not realistic or um, a company sharing their hopes and dreams for something uh, may not be, be understood by everybody to be hope, hopes and dreams. So there's, there's very, sometimes a very narrow gulf uh, between describing an aspiration and uh, becoming uh, an entitlement on the other side. So, so it's, it's a, uh, it's kind of a fine balance and I don't necessarily um, think that it was easy uh, on Asmodee and, and, and Fantasy Flight, uh, but because if they don't quite know what would happen um, w- with everything, then it's very difficult to say anything at all. Um, but I, I still think you need to have, have a general um, flow of communication um, to any audience that, that you know, uh, that you're selling to. Uh, that, 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 that said, given this huge silence that, that occurred and given the unknown nature of us and all of these, these massive problems, uh, we, we felt there was nothing but it with, you know, but to, you know, basically strip, strip naked and c- come out and, and, uh, you know, be, be completely transparent with everybody and, and, uh, hopefully not give everybody, uh, um, uh, you know, give everybody a pretty realistic expectation of what was at, at stake in the work at hand. I think you've done that. It's been an absolutely incredible experience being a part of the community during this time because the amount of hype and excitement has just made most of us so incredibly happy about everything going on. And yeah. you you've supported the community in so many ways. Like mm-hmm. by the when this when this comes out, um, KC, the Midwest Charity Open in Kansas City, Missouri will have just happened. And you sent prize support to them and you've also supported some of the the online leagues you've given some prize support to um was it uh abr and i I think that that is is so wonderful to just continue and encourage online but also in person play is there what do you think of events thrown by the community like whether it be in person or ways to connect community members across the world well, it's crucial. I mean, uh, the in the end, uh, we, we're a publisher that provides things for people to play together, uh, and we can only do so much uh, to get people together. So that the the energy shown with the community to come together, I think, is is absolutely a vital ingredient, and we have to do everything we can to to support that within our within the resources that we have. Um, I, I know that one thing that that we're going to be able to do is 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 try to use technology uh, substantially to try to help 
promote and advocate for uh, for events, whether they're small community events or larger regional events or et cetera, et cetera, in the future. Um, we, we do have a lot of um, technology that that we are working on, albeit the the kind of event finder um, kind of technology and OP technology is a bit in the future. We, we just, uh, we only have a limited number of coding hands uh, and, and, and uh, our, our most sacred obligation at the moment is to, is to have the um, deck generation engine working. Um, one, one important note I should say about the deck generation engine is, is that people have been calling it the algorithm. Um, I I think, I think that's, that that's not an entirely good description of, of what the software is, although it's, it, it, algorithm certainly is an important factor, um, to, to create a, a software like this, you need to have really three crucial components. One is the ability to upload the data, enter the text, uh, you know, add the numerical values, uh, in kind of a sensible way, um, then there is the middle part, which is the logic logic engine, which I think what people call in the algorithm, uh, which is of course the um, the mechanic by which we say create a deck, uh, and then it goes and grabs cards and creates cards, um, and, and it goes and grabs a bunch of cards based on a whole bunch of set of rules and weights and limitations and verifications and so on that that's that's programmed in there. Um, so having that there is, is is crucial, but but so are the the tools and the levers uh, and the fields needed for operators to go in and adjust it uh, as we as we need to in order to create the desired result. So these are all software things that has to be done, not not just the actual mathematical formula of how a given deck was created for a given set, which of course will change from set to set now that we have token creatures. You know that of course makes for for a different kind of um, elements that have to be built into it. So, so that middle part, the logic part, which which we could, I guess, call the algorithm, is 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 super important. But it's not just you know the the mathematical algorithm. It's it's all of the the, the tools uh, and uh, user interfaces and the context surrounding that. Then, then of course, when you have the when you have your deck, which at the time it, it comes out of the the algorithm, if you will, uh, it's it's just going to be a uh, in our in technical terms, it's, it's a JSON file full of full of numbers. Um, those numbers now have to be generated and rendered in, into a deck. So it's actually pushed onto it to the third part of the software, which is the rendering part, which which actually does a lot of the heavy lifting uh, to to get all those graphical elements together, which we stored in the database originally. Um, and so everything is, is related and dynamic and, and uh, all these three parts need to exist and they need to be able to be um, directed and manipulated by our designers and producers so that we can create a you know, meaningful result that, that, that we think is the right final product when it gets, finally gets sent to the printer. Um, so, so these were all things that were lost and, and uh, they all had to be rebuilt. Um, so um, it's more than just the the algorithm, uh, you know. In this, I guess is my is my main point. Um, so I actually have a question about that from the community. A lot of people have been curious when they give you the information for their customized deck name. Is that going to go into the pool of available words forever, or is that something that you're going to be able to manipulate to just be on their personalized name decks? 
So the, the names that people give us will will go in a separate table. So so they they will not be, uh, in other words, um, I get commingled with with the other word or, or fraction of word tables. Um, that said, uh, there certainly could be duplicates. I mean, uh, if you know if somebody wants to put in the word coconut, you know, into their <laughs> into their personal name we 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 may have both cocoa nut and coconut you know in in our tables already or may add them in the future so so i can't say uh, you know that they would never you know overlap but but we are not going uh, it, just just in the, just in the plain sense that we don't know what names people are going to be putting in there um that that said we aren't planning on um, explicitly commingling them that's uh, I guess that's both uh, makes sense, and I'm sure some people are disappointed thinking that they're <laughs> submitting names that are going to be now part of the uh, the movement going forward. Well, no, I mean, uh, yeah, that 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 would not uh, that 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 would not be the case, and uh, that makes sense. And something that I was just wondering is: is there any thoughts on changing the stance that originally existed with KeyForge, where? every set is basically allowed for tournaments or is there going to be maybe a structured system that exists with maybe like old system of printing decks versus the new one or the original system uh, since there is going to be a difference to a degree i assume between what happened is is that something that will exist like a legacy version and then the 2.0 or is it still going to always be everything you have from before Ghost Galaxy and now with Ghost Galaxy are basically allowed for any tournament. Yeah, I, I never say always uh, <laughs> in 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 the in the terms when it comes to living games like this. The right now, I think the the general pool of cards is 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 a not overly huge, um, and I think it's important for us to to allow all decks um, from all the sets to be available um, and be played in. What you, I guess, what you're, what you would call official, the official um, organized play program. Because of course you can play in a deck you have. There's no, nobody preventing you. We're not going to break into your house and prevent you from playing an old deck if somehow it was, it was banned in an organized tournament. Um, so I, when you're speaking only in the context of organized tournaments, right now we're going to allow all the decks and we're going to pay close attention to 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 what happens. Um, I. I think it's realistic to assume that at, at some point that there would have to be some sets rotated out of, of what was considered to be the pool of, 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 of tournament play. Um, we don't have any plans for that at the moment, but but I but I think it's, it's it's very unlikely for it not to happen if the game survives for extended periods of time. There just happens to be, you know, there, there are just too many um, potential issues that, that that can occur conflicts or balance problems or whatever that can occur over an extended um, over too many extended sets. So I would not be surprised at some point in time in the distant future, whether it's distant or close, I don't know. We, we are, we're going to be taking a very hard look at the first, you know, 24 months worth of organized play and see what the, what makes for the most exciting, interesting environment when it comes to competitive play. Um, and we would make decisions on that. That's always one of the big, tricky, heartbreaking decisions that you make. Um, and it, generally speaking, some people are very, very adverse to that. Um, and I understand uh, what, why they are. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, of having to weigh, you know, the, the lesser evil. Um, 
which is that either you you have a game that that's it's not very competitive or fun to play competitively, or you have a game that is full of errata and people basically has to you know have a giant tome of notes next to their deck to remember that the, that the cards that you know now do something different than what's printed. Um, that's also causes problems for for if you try to you know uh, effectively errata your way back into um, in, into a good environment. Or you, you uh, the, the last option, which most companies with these kind of collectible games do, is that they will uh, they will start rotating out older sets uh, to make way for for some of the newer sets uh, and to and to prevent um, uh, some of the some of the former problem. That makes a lot of sense. It really help does help keep the mm-hmm. uh, the game evergreen. But uh, if you ever want to put an unchained league out there, or you know, OP right. of any kind, uh, it's definitely something I think some of us would uh, jump to participate in. Right. Well, so so uh, yes, and, and that that that's to say that that there's no no reason whatsoever why there can't be fun, you know, um, games that are kind of all in, you know, play whatever deck you want from whatever uh, set you want. Um, and have that be fun, but you kind of have to know that going in. You kind of have to realize that there are going to be behaviors and things happening that that are not necessarily um, balanced or that are you know conducive to great great fun. Maybe because you, you have to sort of this is ridiculous, right? Yeah, but then you kind of have to you kind of have to realize that and 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 the fun in that. Um, but and but that that requires I think people being very aware going in that they're going into something that's that's a legacy tournament of some kind or an unchained tournament of some kind, which I'm personally very curious about how it's going to turn out. Um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I bought uh, two displays of the unchained. I am so all in on this unchained concept. All right. Well, um, we, 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 we shall see. Uh, we, obviously, it was decided not to go in that direction because of the very substantial swings that that the decks are going to have in you know on power level and you know and and, and experience you know go, go going into them we're, we're going to be setting some basic requirements on those decks uh, i mean one requirement obviously would be that it has to be three different houses in in, in the in, in the set um but uh and we haven't decided if we're going to put any other requirements than that in there that richard richard's originally requirement was was basically three different houses that's it you're at the end go um so, so we may we may do that or or we may add some very very basic requirements that that there is some sort of a balance across the whole deck of at least x number of creatures for for example um it, it could be very challenging to play the game with a deck that has zero creatures oh my gosh i'm so excited to find out so yeah. i guess you have had a ton of interviews over the past month what do you wish people would ask you about? Like, what do you want an excuse to tell the Keyforge community? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> that is a good question. I would, I, it was like I like I said earlier uh, before we started. You know, g- generally speaking, we're we're pretty open for for any kind of question. Uh, there isn't really any sacred cows. Um, I, I mean the 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 you know, maybe one thing that that we that we came out and said uh, recently in the in the on the crowdfunding campaign is is that you know it's it's um, we are we are doing our best uh, to to make KeyForge come back uh, and be successful. Um, fairly small team, a very experienced team, um, but but we're not infallible, uh, and there's there's going to be decisions that we make that that. Um, 
either we either have made or you know or will make that that's 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 going to cause this honeymoon period that we are undergoing now to 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 to, to, to feel very wonderful. Um, but but uh, you know we there are risks you know involved you know in this game we're going to be we're going to be making decisions based on where we think the game should go and what the community needs based on feedback of course. But um, uh, you know there there is. There is, you know, we're not necessarily promising a rose garden here. We're promising to bring this game back in the best way that we can, um, and and we hope that we hope that people understand that that um, that that that's what we're all about. And and we are walking and have been walking in significantly more um, obscure territory than we are now. Uh, when we started off back last July, and we announced this. We we really didn't have a good sense for for uh, you know. Where was everything at? That's gotten better and better and better, and we, we can see clear and clear. And obviously, with the support we're getting from the GameFound campaign, we're able to take uh, bigger and bigger risks uh, in terms of getting this thing out there. So I'm 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 very encouraged. Um, but uh, but you know, we're all in this together in many ways. We, we're gonna as a publisher, going to put out a really fun game that we that we hope you guys will like, uh, and we're going to do our best. But but uh, you know, there there is gonna. Uh, we are going to make decisions that are going to be controversial to some, uh, and uh, the uh, you know the sense of peace and harmony that we're all undergoing now probably won't last forever. So we can come <laughs> back and talk about that next you know next year, and and uh, hopefully I can have some very practical um, explanations for you. But but yeah, there there's uh, you know as, as a game gets back and going, it's gonna you know it's, it's some of the old themes that were probably complaints and and concerns before will probably resurface. So I'm not sure that was a question that that um, that I uh, wanted people to ask, but but I certainly <laughs> wanted to just you know just throw, just throw that out there. Um, no, in, I in love that. it. It was great. It was exactly what we needed to hear. And of course, we cannot end an episode without our titular segment, which we call "Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self." It's, it's, I, I really love that concept, by the way. And I, I, that, that you made that the whole theme of your show. I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a really good idea. Um, well, thank you. There's maybe a couple of them. I mean, recently the the thing that I've been you know thinking about most, and this is maybe a you know, I'm probably not the only one uh, thinking about this, but when I left uh, Asmodee back in 2018, uh, and we started uh, I started you know research and, and to to do some new some new companies and and new endeavors, you know I, I wish I told myself to wait until 2021. <laughs> uh, that being the main one, it was a very big, a very big challenge to to try to start uh, these these new companies uh, that we've been we've been hanging on to here through the pandemic. That was uh, an interesting time. Uh, so so note the future self. Don't don't start companies uh, right before pandemics. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and, and so on. Um, you know, I guess the, uh, the from a, maybe. It was, it was an unfair comparison because everything was out of, out of our control. Um, but maybe something that's more in your control. Oh, that one's tough. Well, I can help you out. I have a, uh, a good one from a, a play experience recently. Right. Um, so I was playing someone um, on TCO, the online client. And um, if if you're the advice from my future self to my past self is if mm -hmm. you're 
if you like your opponent and you're having fun or you really like the interactions, you like the matchup, you can you can offer to continue playing that same person. I think that the fact that you enjoyed it doesn't mean you have to just, you know, leave the game and and hit a new game and and move forward. You can like make friends that way. You can increase the the bond of the community and uh, I have two two actually two recent examples um I was playing uh, uh, Pikman 77 and he was nice enough to humor me and swap decks because I really, really liked the deck they were playing and I wanted to play against the deck I was playing and really didn't have another way of getting someone to to play it against me. Um, and then I was also playing against uh, another well-known member of the community, Beehawk, and um, he asked me to rematch and it was really great getting that second rep in with the same deck. So I just think that a a piece of advice from myself to my past self is if you're playing against someone that you're enjoying, go ahead and, and ask them to play again. What The worst that can happen is no and you leave and start a new game anyway. That's great. That's great. I, I, I love it. I, I, I uh, it seems like a life lesson more even than more than just a game lesson. <laughs> that I want to tell my tell my daughter, right? She's always, you know, I guess afraid of being rejected. So, you know, maybe the fear of rejection is something that you should uh, is is overrated. You should leave it behind. Totally. Love that. That's awesome. Love it. Well, guys, thanks for uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, would love to jump on again with you guys after we've announced a little more of our OP plans. Uh, we would love to have you back on again. That's so exciting. So uh, let us end our show. You can uh, find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. Um, we're also on Discord. And I am on TCO and Discord at SC Steel. Um, Blake, where can people find you? Best way to get a hold of me is either through my YouTube, which is the Boulevard Blake channel. That's BLVD Blake. Or... Hit me up on Discord, also Boulevard Blake, BLVD Blake, number sign 3840. And I will always take any incoming conversations that want to talk about this great game. Fantastic. So Christian, where can people reach you? And will will you be at any like events or conventions or anything people can see you in person at? I have some news about that coming up, but I have to, I have to be quiet about it for the moment. <gasps> Well, I'm excited to find out what that news is, but know, um, what, what a tease, huh? Um, <laughs> but obviously, the the best. So, so I should also apologize to the people who've been following our website, uh, keyforging.com, which is kind of the, the our home and hub. Uh, we've been a little bit quiet on there recently. Uh, I was able to add a couple of articles over the weekend, but but uh, the, the the main reason for that uh, is just that we are spending so much time uh, nurturing this uh, this game found campaign. Um, ahead, uh, I think once uh, after midnight tonight, when we're, we're we kind of have that behind us, then I think you'll see much more activity through our website. And and if you want to contact us, like I said, we're a small team. We 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 look at all the messages. You can uh, contact us through the message uh, form on that site. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us here, Christian, and all of y'all out there listening. Stay forging.